Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Entrepreneurs in Small Rooms Drinking Coffee. I'm your host, Rob Kennedy, and we're here with Bijan of EventMobi. How's it going? Good, good. It's a very early morning. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but look, the light is out. Yeah, that's true. And time change hasn't happened yet. <laughs> uh, thanks for coming. Why don't you talk about what EventMobi is? Sure. Uh, EventMobi is a event technology platform where we help event planners um, create successful events through uh, different experiences and making their attendees successful. So uh, essentially event apps, uh, think about all the different technology that an event needs from a website to sending email campaigns to collecting information through surveys and selling tickets and uh, batch printing and check-in attendance, all sort of that, all different pieces. Mm -hmm. uh, we kind of bring under one roof uh, to help these event planners uh, run successful events. So if I'm uh, running an event, I'd come onto your platform publish an app, I guess, with yeah. your with your platform to say, here's my event, here's the itinerary, here's the map, here's all the other good stuff that you get. And as an event attendee, I can download the app or go to a website and yeah. get, like find out what's going on at the event rather than paper and signs and stuff like that. Yeah, Exactly, yeah. We, we started out uh, just strictly as the mobile app piece mm -hmm. of all of this. And so the idea was, you know, when you show up, mm -hmm. I, how do you know where to go and what to do and what's going on throughout the event and carrying paper is really cumbersome and uh, for us anyways and for me I'm just like my memory is a little crazy so it's just like okay I'd go to a three-day conference and I'd leave it in the hotel every single day right. and I'd miss the keynote every single time so I had to run back to the hotel grab my stuff and it's like this is stupid I can't just be on my phone and I don't have to carry all this paper around with me all day and yeah, like, yeah. circle things and make notes and um, <laughs> and that's really kind of what it all started out with uh, now we've since grown to, to a variety of different tools to kind of help uh, the event planner and the attendees kind of have a much better experience so uh, why don't you quickly take us back to when you started you started in 2009 you said yeah I think before yeah uh, and it was you it's you and a couple other people? Yeah, so it was, uh, we had three co-founders at the time. It was uh, myself, my brother, uh, and uh, one of his classmates at the time. My brother was doing his MBA down in, uh, in Santa Clara. Mm -hmm. And uh, and really, that was kind of uh, their their own piece as well, right? They, they used to go to, to trade shows uh, for work mm -hmm. and uh, having to carry all the stuff. And, and especially when you go for work, it's kind of like in and out. It's not like a fun conference you're going to. And so right. you, just, you just need the information so you can do your job and just get out of there. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, that was a frustration that, that we just had, that we, we started looking at solving. Um, and uh, we actually started out with just like, PowerPoint presentations, pitching around, uh, trying to talk to people about it. Uh, we kind of got some external validation. I think you know people talk a lot about competition. For us, that was like, oh great, there's competitors in the space. That means like the space is real. We're not just crazy people thinking about this idea. Not the opposite, dejected yeah. that there are competitors in the space. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so uh, we'd gone through a couple other startup failures where we thought we'd built some disruptive technology, and we just right. realized that. Usually, if you're the only one thinking about that, there's probably something wrong with your idea. And <laughs> right. So it was kind of good to see that somebody else was also just as crazy as we were, mm -hmm. uh, and that kind of really pushed us to like uh, get it rolling. And so we found uh, some but those startups were like, or those things were like, you building something in the basement and then trying to sell it, not like I get funding and not not, not yeah, startups exactly. like that. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. yeah. Um, yeah, we we ended up uh, finding uh, some close friends who. Uh, had events running and we're like, okay, can we just like travel at, at, uh, at your events? And uh, it was kind of interesting because they're like, yep, I have an event in a month. If you can bring something, like, oh, okay, I guess that's our timeline. It's when we're going to get going. Mm -hmm. So we had a month to prototype this. Uh, we ended up building a BlackBerry app because we thought business users conference, mm -hmm, okay, mm -hmm. BlackBerry at the time was huge. Uh, how things change. Mm -hmm. um, and It was uh, a native BlackBerry app. It was a native BlackBerry okay. 4.4, which was a terrible <laughs> version to be playing with. Um, 
And uh, yeah, that was that was an interesting experience. Uh, we didn't end up actually hitting the timeline, which was okay. We just ended up showing up at the event with it on our own phones, mm -hmm. and just like asking people and doing customer validation. Just, right, right, right. What do you guys think about this? Would you ever use this? If you had this right now, would it help you? How? What features would it you know would be useful for you? Mm -hmm. uh, we did that like a couple times through a couple months. Uh, found different events we went to and just like just showed it to people for the get about kind of trying to get distribution. It was really just about learning. And hmm. um, we kind of got enough uh, to kind of convince us that this was an actual need that people had and they wanted somebody to solve this. Yeah. Um, and that's when we, you know, uh, well. How do you, how do you, look, this is the user, not the, necessarily the buyer, I'm yeah. assuming. This is the consumer of the, of the app. Yeah, at that point we had no idea about the industry. So right. <laughs> we, we knew this was a problem and uh, we had no idea how the event industry worked. We had right. no idea how buying habits were. We didn't even know what pricing strategy. I think at that, Point, we were still thinking that ads were going to be our thing. Yeah. Um, we we're like, oh, okay, we'll just build apps, we'll distribute for free, and then there'll be like, you know, Google Ads, and we had no idea how little you'd actually get paid for right, those right, things. Right. And I think the first time we rolled it out, uh, we, we did like 10 events in a row for free, uh, and, and we got like two cents back in, <laughs> in, uh, from Google, and we're like, okay, this is not the business model to kind of roll out from. Um, and uh, yeah, at that point, it was really just about learning. And so, mm -hmm. Uh, but we knew that there was a problem, and so whatever it was, we had to figure out kind of how to. How, to how, how do you like at that point? How do you separate um, sort of the signal to like there's confirmation bias, which is like you want to hear the answer you want to hear, yeah, right? And then there's being artificially dejected by feedback that's actually not relevant. Like I, I, currently, like it's cool, it's lean, you know, you got to do customer validation and go out and do that stuff. Yeah, um, but. At the end of the day, what kind of data can you, you get, sort of anecdotal feedback of people who aren't actually downloading anything? How do you know that that's, that really is a thing, and how much do you rely on that to make a decision? Yeah, it, it's, it's hard, because uh, I don't think you ever really know. It kind of becomes a gut feeling for yourself, and the way that you're seeing interacting you know, with people and how they you know, react to something like this, and generally how they bring it. I know there's that whole term of like, grin-fucking, and like, you mm. know, okay, people just like smiling and nodding their head, like, yeah, this is a great idea, just because they don't hurt your feelings. And right. Like, What's the term? I've never heard that specific. Uh, grin-fucking? Grin-fucking? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so they're just trying to be nice and kind of do it and, and uh, but uh, I think at that point for us too it was, it was the discussions that we were having with people it, w it was an actual need and hmm. uh, we didn't know what the solution was yet what the business model would be around it but we knew that there was something there that needed to be solved and I think through the myriad of discussions that we had it was, it was a consistent theme of, of topics that would come up every single time regardless of how we change the questions same type of things would come along. About, I see. You know, having to carry paper, not knowing what's going on, losing the piece of the paper, the the incredible amount of waste that's created from all the paper that that's there, um, and uh, and then we we decided to to jump on board. Well, actually, uh, my brother was kind of the first one to kind of do it. So he dropped out of his MBA, quit his job, moved back from San Francisco to Toronto, hmm. um, and uh, just to get it started full time. And so hmm. he did mostly, still again, mostly biz dev. Uh, mm -hmm. We had like a very rudimentary prototype, um, but just trying to figure out like what it is and how we're gonna do this. Uh, but he had convinced himself essentially that like this is this could be a thing. And you were doing and, what at the time? Uh, I was actually in my, uh, I was doing an internship while I was at school. Okay. Um, and so he'd just throw me side projects to just like work on. And I didn't really think of this as being much. And I was like, yeah, mm -hmm. sure, okay, I'll help you kind of do these things. And mm -hmm. so I, I was working full time and I 
come home, have dinner, and then code on this until I fell asleep pretty much for like nine months straight. Right. Uh, but it was fun. It was like I was learning a lot of different pieces. For me, it was like working with new tech. I was like, mm -hmm. oh, cool, these iPhone things are neat. I can learn iPhone programming. It was like iPhone 3D had just come out. Was it, was um, it, you switched over to web though? Yeah. Or did so you? I was initially doing the, uh, some web stuff so we could help with the distribution of like, obviously, even with Blackberry, they didn't really have like their app world or right. uh, whatever it is. And uh, so we still had to like build a web page that they go to to like click the link to mm -hmm. download the, the binary that they have to install. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was helping with the web version of that. And then on the side, learning how to do iPhone development. Mm -hmm. um, halfway through, we, we kind of also realized that keeping the Blackberry apps running appropriately for everyone's phone and iPhone coming out and then Android coming out soon after just wasn't going to be feasible. Right. Uh, so we're like, okay, let's just test this on the web because we can move a lot faster to see if this actually is anything. Right. Um, and so then I kind of just uh, took on that charge of okay, rebuilding the whole thing on the web mm -hmm. and, and kind of building out the initial prototypes there and then testing it out through those different pieces. And I think I, I met you guys when you were doing, uh, we did Startup Weekend, I guess, 2000 and God, three, four years ago, something like that. You yeah. did, for a couple years, you were like, helping with that how do you so you had the platform it was a web-based thing if i yep. recall at the time and we had some wacky requests of you i think because there was like in startup weekend you sort of vote for the team you want to work with and there's like bar graphs and shit like that yep. that was totally not what you did Right, like that was a totally custom weird ask. No, that that, that was uh, that was something that was, was there. The the reporting of it was was something that was kind of different because of the way the Startup Weekend kind of wants. Right. To so how do you like? So you're gonna get request as you're building out your product and you're figuring it out. Yeah. People are like, you know what we need? We need bar graphs and bar graphs that you can shoot with lasers. Like, yeah, yeah. You're like, yeah, I'll totally build it. When do yeah. you say no? That's ridiculous. I'm sorry. I, I'm not gonna do that. It, when do you, when do you do that? Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's difficult because in the early days you kind of. In some ways, you kind of have to build a little bit of technical debt just building stuff for customers just so you can validate it, but also you need customers to, to keep things running. So if they're going to pay you, it's kind of like, okay, sure, I'll do whatever you want. Um, yeah. But it also helps we didn't you pay understand. You. Right, right. But, <laughs> but you did it. Yeah, but, but that was more know, of like a... Goodwill. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was kind of more PR. for ourselves. Yeah. Anyways, we, we, we love Startup Weekend, mm. so like whatever we can do to help. Um, but, uh, you know, in the early days for us too, we, we kind of ran into a space Well, uh, one piece of it was the major, not really like a pivot, but a major understanding or market shift for us was realizing that bit that you previously mentioned that, you know, what we were focusing on, what every, all the other competitors at the time were focusing on was the attendee experience. Mm -hmm. We're like, that's not what the business is going to run on. The business mm -hmm. is helping the event planner do right. their job better, and then they'll distribute it to their attendees. And right. so that's when we shifted to actually built a CMS to make it a SaaS-based product instead of doing like consulting, just building apps for people. Um, and that's when we're like, okay, the, we have to make it easy for people to, to build and distribute these apps. Mm -hmm. uh, so we built the CMS, we focused all our messaging now on the event planner, and then the the benefits that can come from the attendee experience, but again, focus on the event planner. And that really right. helped us kind of uh, get our foot in the door with a lot of different uh, pieces of the industry. We started learning how event planners make buying decisions. We started talking to them. And then we started landing some like really big clients uh, that were more of the, uh, you know, the early adopters that were like, we know this is new tech, but new guys are startups, so we can boss you around and just tell you features and you guys will build it for us because right. that's what startups do. And uh, <laughs> But it was good for us because it kind of kept us on our toes and uh, you know, we had a strict timeline we had to hit. We were doing like weekly follow-ups with these clients and um, it helped us build our features and validate like what features are actually people going to use because we also didn't know. Um, so, couple quick questions, sorry, in, the, in between. So how long did it like, did it take for you to get to, okay, now we're going to sell to companies like to get this like how long was that period from I guess the initial idea concept until that point is probably about a year and so we um, were not getting I mean your brother wasn't getting paid you were doing this on the side is that how it worked yeah yeah so uh, my 
I mean, for the first six months or so, it was kind of just like a side project for everyone mm -hmm. who did anything. Um, and then my brother moved back. Uh, he spent another probably like six months trying to build that understanding and just talking to people, and again, not getting paid. Um, and yeah, it was a side thing for no me. No funding. No to, funding. Yeah. Uh, at that point, it was like it was at the end of the recession, and there was right. nobody giving to out fund. money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and also our space wasn't that interesting for for um, for investors. So yeah, it was really is it just that what what was the investors' attitude? Like, what was the the rejection statement you got if you were to talk to them? It was just like a oh, you're an event. Oh, okay, and uh, yeah, sorry, not something we're we're looking at funding at the moment. It was kind of it was too fragmented for them. They didn't really know what type of technology would, would become the leader in that space. They didn't understand how um, technologies could grow in that space because it's mm. been around for a long time, right? Yes. Think about like ticket and registration companies have been around since like the first dot-com boom. Yeah. Um, and it's like, well, why haven't any of them innovated in this mm -hmm. sense? Like, mm -hmm. yeah, there's something wrong with the market. Um, so they didn't really want to invest in that sense. How do you, um, so when you, uh, my contact is just falling out of my eye. Yeah. Um, it's live television, everybody. Um, <laughs> How do you? Sorry. Um, how do you? Um, when you have like, so you have a target market. It's people who do events. Yeah. And companies of all shapes and sizes do events. We here do do events. Um, like we're small. Yeah. Enterprises do events. How the hell do you find somebody to sell to to buy your stuff? Yeah, that's uh, that was difficult early on, and especially when people didn't know that they needed something like this. Mm. So it was for the first uh, probably year and a half. It was all just. Let's go out and educate the market and why the benefits of having event apps and what's there. What so does that mean? Got, like, um, how, how do you educate the market? Like, there's no. So we, we found uh, we, we found some contacts who were event planners. We started going to events where event planners meet and congregate. The but there are again small groups. So like event mm -hmm. planners who deal with I don't know like VIP you know celebrity events like yes. meet somewhere. People who I do see. events for I don't know associations meet somewhere. People who do events for corporate kind of HR stuff meet somewhere. And so we'd go to each of these little groups and just like talk to them about what was going on and uh, what we were thinking and kind of what our product was and, and how we could help them in different ways and just see what type of interest and traction would come Was out there of a it. particular niche that seemed to be the right one? Like wedding people don't care, but corporate blah blah, blah do care. Like was I, don't, I don't think we understood at that point. Okay. I think it was uh, quite a while in until we actually started getting sales and we started learning where sales are coming from and then we I built see. the customer segments around it. At that point, it was just like, okay, events are events. There's all sorts of different kinds of events. Everybody could use it. So yeah. it's just whatever. Go out and just talk about it to everyone. And then we started funneling, building that kind of funnel. What's the magical answer? Like, what was? where did you find the sweet spot to find customers in the it, market? What market? It, it's kind of, uh, I think a little bit of luck played into it because we kind of hit uh, a shift in the market itself where we did about a year and a bit of education in the market and just talking about it, blasting everybody and anybody, LinkedIn groups, like all sorts mm -hmm. of stuff. And then... Uh, event planners themselves, being very laggards in technology, started having their upgrade cycles with their phones, and they're like, they went from their flip phones to like the basic Android phones or the, you know iPhones, mm -hmm. the, you know cheaper iPhones. At that point, once the models started moving up, and uh, they're like, oh great, these app things are super cool, but like, why don't I have an app for my event? And then they're like, mm -hmm. oh wait, who were these guys who were harassing me like a couple weeks ago? And then, Interesting. And then we started getting phone calls, in. and then everything started becoming inbound, and we're like, holy crap, we can't handle all these phone calls, and uh, then we really started that funnel of really understanding our customer base and okay, how do we segment them and where where does most of the sales come from and all the, those different kind of pieces. Do you do you like the first 
did the first customers pay for you to do stuff, or did um, they not? Well, I guess if we're calling them customers, sure. Then or, sure. They pay. Uh, sorry. They, first, Wait, the first, first versions that you rolled out to conferences of where you thought your market was, yeah, were, were they paid, uh, or were you doing them for? Yeah, initially we were just doing it for free, mainly because we wanted the learning, so yes. we didn't want any barriers around <clears> that. <throat> uh, and then we're like, oh well, we'll start with like super basic pricing, and for us being engineers, like we didn't know how enterprises buy stuff, so yeah. it's like, oh okay. You know, it's, $50 a lot? It's like $100 a lot yeah, of money? Yeah. I don't know how this is. Because for us, it was like, it was web-based, it's all automated. Like, we didn't, it was SaaS. It's easy, product. right? It's so easy. it's like, it's like there's dollar no cost a month. for us. It's yeah. like, I click a button and I yeah. get an app. Like, it's, that's, it's easy as it is. Um, and, um, and so we, we started playing around with it. And then we realized that actually having uh, low pricing was detrimental to our growth because people would value it as a crappy product. Hmm. And uh, that's when we started having to really, you know, play around. And, uh, how do you find that out? I think people would devalue it. And so we would look at, again, like if you're, I think a lot of companies kind of look at that metric of, you know, what is that one metric that, that says like we're in, in that with that customer. So if it's like, it's, you know, um, Facebook might talk about, you know, if you get like, they have 10 friends, then, you know, then you know they're in and then they're going to have that growth. For us, it was kind of like, we kind of had some idea of what that was, but we realized as soon as we would give it away for free or we discount it heavily, like people just wouldn't take those actions to build their app properly. I they just see. like the idea of having that, but they wouldn't invest time into the technology. And then therefore the platform and, is useless and then because useless you can't, like, well, you, you didn't do anything. Using it, no one's going to get anything out of it. Yeah. Exactly. And huh. so that kind of really started hurting us. We're like, okay, well, but the clients who ended up paying for it and not asking for a discount, they seem to be succeeding. So um, that, that was kind of a, a little bit of a trigger. Like, okay, maybe we shouldn't discount it like this, or maybe we should keep it at like some sort of barrier that's that's like, oh, they're investing some money in, even if it's nominal. So it was like, I think it was like $200 or $250. It was that point where like people were like, okay, I'm kind of put some money into this that I should probably make use of. And this was enterprises or small, medium businesses? At this point it was, it was, it could have been a variety, uh, but. Because 200 bucks for an enterprise is still nothing. But it was, a lot no? of it was still unproven. They had no idea if this was gonna be useful at all. So they knew it was like, for them it was throwaway money. It's yeah. like, I'm never gonna get ROI on this, but I just wanna try it out just to see. So mm -hmm. it kind of had to be nominal. So even at that point, people were after but that's mm -hmm. also what helped us get the growth because a lot of our competitors were all native app based um, and so they needed larger engineering teams their cost for actually building this thing was significantly higher um, and so they actually had to prove the model go through you know standard enterprise sales mm -hmm. for us it was kind of like it was so cheap people could put it on a credit card and they're like eh, whatever if it doesn't work it doesn't work but at least I can try the technology out mm -hmm. um, and that's what helped us get a lot of traction really understand our customers and, and actually get things rolling and building out in a new market and figuring out what features are going to be the most important it's interesting that you used web because at the time app apps were cool and hip yeah. and that's the thing you I mean they, I guess they still are yeah. but that's the thing you would wants to be and being a web app is almost like it's a web app yeah and the performance was not as good yeah at the time because you know the bandwidth was slower the rendering engine was not as good as it is today yeah um did, did the user experience hurt you in any way because of it or the fact that you weren't an app hurt it in any way no i think that's a very insular discussion towards people who are in the tech industry yeah when we went out, people had no idea. They're, they would see the interface and be like, that looks like an app to me. Like, I see. it doesn't matter, like, they, you know. I, I, I guess my question, that? let me ask you a question a different way. Not being on the app store at the time yeah. made you not, was but that, that was, a thing? That was the same thing where like, a lot of people didn't even know the app store, how to use the app store. I see. And so for them, it was just like, does it look like this thing that's on like TV commercials and whatever it is? Right. Like, yeah, the interface looks like that. So I guess it's an app. And, and a lot of people didn't know the difference. And not all people cared. And we actually built our, our experience to kind of match that. So 
I mean, naturally, we're, we're less of like a gaming type product where we need very specific interactions. It's content driven. So mm. at that point, you don't need a lot of the animations and interactions. It's fairly basic in terms of what you're doing and, right. and uh, content that you're showing. So our, the way that we had our rendering engine, actually, the technologies that we use, we were one of the first to, to play around with a large scale HTML5 offline based uh, hmm. uh, platform in that sense, mm -hmm. which really kind of helped us get going. Um, but when you do offline HTML5, there's no, you don't need to go out to the network. So right. everything's locally cached, like boom, boom, boom. Everything's just rendering really fast. We're not doing animations, so there's no like slowdown or, or jaggy kind of pieces around mm -hmm. it. This is everything's there. People are like, oh, this is super responsive. This is great. This is faster than like some native apps because mm -hmm. some of the native apps would actually go over the network to actually fetch content. You know, like, right. oh, okay, yeah, we're faster than our competitors and we're on web. It doesn't really matter <laughs> in that awesome. sense. So. Um, How did you sort pricing out? Because, like, I think we talked about this before the show. You, you, you guys have taken zero investment. You're doing this all yourself. Yeah, uh, which is pretty impressive. And you're eighty now. We're yeah, just over eighty stuff. Eighty-ish. That's crazy. Yeah. So. How did you figure out? I mean, two hundred fifty dollars per event is probably not enough to. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. How did you How did you figure out? Like, a you had people who were paying you two fifty. Probably they were coming back and paying you another two fifty. Like, I yeah. God, I need to raise that price because that's not sustainable. And then when you bring on new customers, did you just like, it's a thousand dollars a month. It's seventeen hundred dollars a month. Like, how did you? Did, did you change the pricing model? Like, how did you get to the price you are at today? I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's, it's not um, that. I'm assuming. Yeah, so <laughs> we we kind of our range now uh, is around eight hundred to eight thousand, depending on the feature set that you're looking for. So we okay. have different packages or package features and kind of sell it off on a per event basis. Uh, so it's not uh, like a recurring SaaS kind of thing. It's, sure. But it's more that uh, a lot of planners have tons of events that they run. So mm -hmm. that's kind of how we make that that recurring bit. But mm -hmm. it was really in the early days. It was just trying to kind of push it to understand like you know during sales calls like what causes a rejection like what when, when does it become a price rejection versus a feature rejection right and you know you have to risk it at some point you're like you're at risk of losing client but it's pricing you can always have that discussion again so they might yes. get really pissed i'm like whoa this is way too expensive like, mm -hmm. okay i'm hanging up like this is over and then you can call them back and be like hey you have a special discount whatever it is and then, you know, <laughs> yeah. lure them back in right you kind of like have to have those discussions to really understand um, uh, that model. So I think we we started like pushing it up. We're like, okay, is like five hundred dollars too much? Is a thousand dollars too much? Is like two thousand too much? And then we realized that like that two thousand dollar limit, fifteen hundred, was the sweet spot for us at the time, where okay. it wasn't enough that it's going to trigger something that their managers are going to ask them about what the spend is. Mm. It, anybody could just put it on a credit card. They didn't need to ask for approval. It was easy for them to to use that in terms of their budgets. Um, and so that was like our sweet spot. Now it's kind of grown because people have proven the technology. They know the ROI they can get from it. So the average price right now is probably about $2,500, Cool. Right so. How, do you, um, how do you know when you, uh, what, I don't remember my question. Uh, oh yeah, how do, do you ever consider changing the model? Like, so I'm assuming it's a per event pricing thing. Yeah. Uh, did you ever consider like other stuff like, uh, per user who uses it model versus yeah. a per event model, well, which would be related events, obviously. Yeah, we, Did you we, ever consider that kind of thing? We played around with a whole bunch of different models early on. Mm -hmm. The difficulty was because it was a new technology, people wanted their spend to be very calculated beforehand. I see. So we looked at, okay, what's the industry like? How do they buy other products? When mm -hmm. they buy paper, when they buy catering, when they buy their you know venue and book that bit. How are they doing that? It's like their venue never charges them based on how, well, actually some people do based on the <laughs> chairs that they need, but right. you know, a lot of times it's kind of like they at least have a fixed spend that they're doing. And for them, it was really important to have a fixed spend for this, especially yes. because of something that was unknown. Right. And so having that, like, it's this, doesn't matter, there's no auxiliary costs and that sort of bit that you need to worry about. Like, this is the only thing you're going to spend, but it's really important for them. 
Um, now as people are becoming more comfortable, they want to optimize their spend, they want to make sure that it's doing it. So now we're like thinking about how we package our platform in general, maybe do a per kind of attendee or per user kind of uh, cost to this. But well, how would that benefit um, them? I mean, I understand that you're pricing to, to speak to the way the market thinks. You're not yeah. going to say, no, I'm per goat or something like that. Like, yeah. What the hell? <laughs> so now what do, when you say optimizing the cost, you're like, I don't want to spend as much and then you're like great you can pay per user it might be more it might be less i don't know like yeah. is that it because it, it depends on, on the type of events that we run. so we run everything from 20 people events which mm -hmm. are you know let's say it's an executive meeting for a large company where they're just like getting all their executives together flying uh, them into like one place for a day to like talk about some roadmap pieces mm -hmm. to I don't know, disney we've done like 60,000 person events right wow. and then they're both using the same pricing model and so you know, for them, they're like, well, I'm, you know, you guys have examples like Disney, they, they paid the same amount, like, I don't need to pay that amount, I don't have that usage right. on this platform. And so, you know, they, they have some merit for that and how they use it, but we're like, you know, the feature set is the same, so that's what you're paying for. And mm -hmm. most people are okay with it, but it kind of shuts us out on some other sales discussions that, mm -hmm. you know, we can't, there's a lot more smaller events than there are larger events. And I imagine they're more concierge style. If it's like an executive meeting, that's different yeah. than a go to Disney, do these things. Exactly. Yeah. And like, so for us to get into a lot of those smaller uh, meetings and events, uh, we need to kind of come up with more competitive pricing strategy. And so did you purposefully avoid getting any kind of capital from anybody? Um, I don't think we purposely avoided it in the early, like very like 2009 or But you're saying like, you said that people were not Yeah, people keen. were not into it. Uh, and so we just decided, we're like, okay, we're just going to set milestones for ourselves for us to like, how much time do we want to invest in this thing? Mm -hmm. Okay, if we hit this milestone, we'll like keep going another two months. And if we hit that milestone, we'll keep going another like two mm -hmm. months. And and uh, we, we would like almost hit those milestones. So it was, it was enough to convince ourselves, like, mm -hmm. yeah, okay, well, we'll keep going another two months and see how it goes. Uh, until we got to like, I think it was like spring 2011, and at that point, my brother had like all of his savings were spent, and uh, we had hired like one person, one other engineer, like while I was back in school, and um, and uh, he just told everyone, he's like, guys, like we had an intern and, and that one employee, and we're like, I don't think we're gonna make this work, like we're just not getting the traction we need. You guys are probably gonna have to look for another job and and like figure that piece out, and then. Like that month, we got like one paying customer. We're like, oh, I can kind of pay your salary. Like, come on, like, you know, defer like a little bit of it. And then the next month, we got like two customers, like $50 profit. Woo! Yeah. And then the next month, it started growing from that. And then that, that was also when the market kind of flipped. So when I came back full time uh, after I finished school, it was like, okay, every month we were almost doubling growth. And uh, for about nine months, we were doubling our, our customer base, which at that time was still small. Like, we were going like 14. Yeah, but the story 16, for but it was still, it was really good for us. And we're yeah. all like, oh, this is like actually happening. And we didn't even have like any structure around anything. So we were actually still to that point, even though it was small, we were leaving a lot of sales on the table because we had no idea like, where these calls were coming from. We were just couldn't even pick up all the phone calls that were coming in. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. We we're losing a lot of opportunity and that, that kind of fed us our organic bit of kind of growth and uh, feeding that. So like, so, but as you grow, when you grow like that, uh, then you start becoming interesting for investory types, yeah? Yeah. So how, how do you, you know, why did, did that not then appeal to you again? You're like, okay, now you've got traction. Now would be a good time to talk to people. Uh, I, I think at that point it was, we didn't see how money could help us. Because right. once we got into traction, it was like, well, we did the hard part. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. It's, it's there, it's growing. Like right. when, if we had more money right now, it's not necessarily going to take us anywhere specific or different than what we're already planning for. Yes. And so you're, you're you know, Fire's already going, you're adding more fuel to the fire, the fire's still there. Like it's not it's not gonna help with anything. Um, and so we we just 
kind of ignored and saw like, okay, well, if we hit some point where competitively we're not able to compete anymore, like mm -hmm. our competitors catch up, or we get to the point where um, it becomes difficult to execute on our roadmap, then let's address funding. Right. Um, but we just like, let's see where it goes and let's see where we can. It's ironic because you're like, it's like, there, I've been told like if you want a line of credit, get ask, apply for it when you have a job, not when for, don't go for it when you don't. Yeah, it's almost like you're in a position now. You could not. I'm not pushing this at all, yeah, but yeah, it's, no, you're it's in a true. position yeah. where you could be like, we have big big staff, we have a lot of revenue, we've proven that the thing works. You, it's probably you have a better leverage now actually to yeah. go out and ask for yeah. money. And so the, the, that's still not like we're not uh, no, against no. it. And yeah. So we still have discussions no. around it. We we're always evaluating and saying, okay, well this quarter. Should we start thinking about in the future quarters that I mean, what would you use the money for? Them? I guess. Uh, yeah, exactly. You... So putting putting the plans in place, like you know, right now it's becoming more opportune for us to potentially go for funding in the near future. Mm -hmm. um, we don't know what that looks like yet, but it's kind of been discussions of like, oh, okay, maybe it might be worthwhile. You know, some of our competitors have raised like eighty million dollars now, um, and uh, and what do they do with that money? Market? They're burning it right now. <laughs> yeah, like I don't. Yeah, yeah. Because um, this no, is not I mean, like it, a consumer marketing thing. Yeah, right. they're, and they're, they're, they have a lot of enterprise sales guys, so they're I paying see. them crazy salaries. They have about 200-something salespeople on staff. How do you compete with that? Um, you have a great product and a great team that people trust and a brand that people recognize. And I think right. we're lucky that we were one of the first in the market to build that. Um, yeah. So we have, we have a good enough stronghold that we can hold people off. Our product's great um, and what people use. So, And uh, we're lucky to be in a space that technology-wise are a little bit of a laggard. So regardless of if you innovate too far in the future like people are just not gonna care about it. like there's still you know like Twitter and social media stuff is like just getting going in the events industry and and, uh, and all those different things. so you've grown your team I think we talked about to just over 80 yeah what do you think like what's the purpose of that size of a team what would you like to do with it is it to build better to expand the product or what yeah um, a lot of it is, is to expand the product the other side is in terms of trying to gather this like fragmented market it requires mm -hmm. a very concerted effort to do. Mm -hmm. And so just like you were saying, there's no pool of event planners that we can just like, plop, okay, now we can kind of <laughs> yeah. start expanding within that. It's kind of like, oh, this is 10 here, 15 there, 25 here, and they're like all over the world and mm -hmm. different things, and none of them talk to each other. They don't even know that each other exists. Or like, mm -hmm. And it's so difficult to kind of get into. So mm -hmm. it takes a lot of effort to go into these little groups and try to expand within that. Um, and uh, that's really where, where a lot of our growth is coming from. Customer support for us is huge, and that's one of our big differentiators. People love working with us and the support they get. They know that we're with them, and we're really a partner with their event rather than we're just like this technology. Here's the technology. Event. Good yeah. luck. Exactly. Yeah. And, and uh, so people love that, and so we, we want to make sure that that's up to par. Hmm. Uh, the product roadmap still probably has like five, six years worth of stuff right now that we can work on. Right. And so it's uh, we want to kind of get through that as fast as possible to get to being that huge uh, uh, platform of kind of what we need to be. Yeah. Um, so a lot of kind of different different pieces uh, hmm. there that we're trying to address. But um, th it's a huge, huge market. Uh, there's a lot of potential in it. And one other thing you said that, again, sorry, before the show is interesting, that was uh, you've, you've, you've actually have now, you wrap stuff like stuff goes into app stores now yeah. so just so that like event people can say yeah yeah go to the app store and download the app for yeah. blah, whatever yeah, their yeah. event happens to be one one last question this is a totally silly one but when you went to the event planners event planners event is it shittily run? Like, is the event planner or event planner the best thing you've ever seen in your entire life? It, it's actually, uh, no, they, they they have a very concentrated effort of making it, yeah. like, very shitty. The best event you've and, ever been? And, uh, to, nice, like... yeah. So for me as well, like, you know, 
being a tech guy, not going to a lot of these events. Mm -hmm. No, I'm sure if you go to like really high-end events in general, like you, they're all really nice. I've never been exposed to any of them. So right. for me to go to these type of events, I was like, ooh, oh, this is this is intense. And so the, you know, it was they had it at uh, the Venetian in like Vegas. Right. You'd go there and they took over the whole premises and really? like all different floors, and they'd have free food, open bar, like all sorts of stuff. They literally had. Uh, a room that's probably like half the size of the TWG office, like literally just candy tables of like all the candy in the that world that you're thinking. Like, they give you a bag candy. that you walk in, they're like, yeah, fill it up with how much you learn. You're like, this is the greatest <laughs> thing in the world. <laughs> did, did Event Moby provide the event d information for the event planners event? No. So they were. That's uh, your next mission. Yeah. So yeah, it is. It's, uh, it's difficult to get into because obviously, yeah. like, there's a lot of concentration from all the companies to yes, that, that premier one because you get eyes on it. Right. Um, we're, we're actually have pretty good relations with them. So we have an industry relations team that, that we try to infiltrate hmm. the association for event planners. Mm -hmm. And we try to be kind of thought leaders in the space, provide knowledge. We actually just launched our own education program. So we are actually training the next generation of event planners uh, hmm. with event technology. Cool. And uh, so a lot of what we do now is about thought leadership and then right. using that as a means of getting the interest back into our product. Right, like content marketing basically, to be really cynical about it, but. Um, yeah, the content marketing is a huge part, but we actually, like we literally wrote a textbook with a professor and are, are oh. launching uh, our, um, modules within Queen's Margaret University in Scotland, uh, hmm. actual classes as part of their course, like hmm. to, to do this sort of stuff, so. That's really cool. Yeah. It's really cool. Well, I'm sorry to say we're out of time, but uh, thanks Such for coming on the show. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, this was Entrepreneurs in Small Rooms Drinking Coffee. I'm Rob Kennedy. We're here with Bijan of Event Moby. And if people want to try the app out, I mean, or want to host an event, where do they go? Uh, yeah, they can just check out eventmoby.com. We have a demo app there. You can kind of play around with the attendee experiences like. Uh, and then definitely if they're interested in using our products, get, get in touch with us. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of be more than happy to show you a demo of how our platform works. Well, just look at the tweets and you can get a hold of the, of the Bijan or the company. Yeah. Uh, thank, and then uh, thanks to Nick for uh, hosting. Uh, thanks for Nick for producing the show. Thanks to the working group for hosting us. And see you next week at the same bat time, same bat channel. Thanks. Cool. Thank you.